Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. And here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Jody. How you doing? Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing fantastic. Another another week. I guess we're in, I don't know what, X month of, of COVID. Stop uh, counting. Yeah, we have to stop. We're now into we're into week two of back to school. That's right. That's I've reset my our clock at least. And how are your kids doing? You know, it aside from the frustrations, and every I think every parent and every family has got their own individual frustrations. Certainly, there are themes. Um, I am stepping back and kind of marveling at the um, at, at 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 our kids. They are so adaptable. They are so resilient. They are just sort of plowing ahead and saying, okay, this is what it's going to be. Let's go. It's amazing to me. And I think we all as parents need to stop for just a minute and, and tip our hats to our kids at the incredible job that they're doing um, working through all this with all these challenges and all this upset and all this ridiculousness that quite frankly has been foisted upon them by the adults. And I'll just leave it at that, at the adults in their worlds. Um, they're awesome. They're just doing great. How about yours? Yeah, I, I concur. Right. So my daughter is, is back in school, uh, half days. She's taking the bus. It's all social distanced. Um, knock wood, she's enjoying it. She's coming home and doing her homework. And I have to agree with you, they, they've all adapted. My son the same way. He starts going physically to school because he's in high school next week. But he's been doing the remote learning. Um, they've been, you know, uh, doing everything they need to do. Uh, gym classes, kind of virtual. Right? So he'll, he says, yeah, I have to go ride my bike for gym and record it. So, you know, we, we've adapted. I think the kids, you're right, are adapting. And I think that in absence of this thing going away, maybe that is the key is just adaptation to all of it, right? So we'll just have to figure it out as we go. But uh, Dave, overall, Dave Chappelle said it in a different context, but it's true. Um, you young kids just keep on driving the car. I'm very comfortable here in the backseat. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> so so with that, we'll we'll uh, good good capper on that. So we'll we'll uh, jump to uh, the topic today is going to be Reddit personal finance random topics. Um, we've done this before and we've had a lot of fun with it. Uh, so we jump again into the personal finance group on reddit.com and we and we have a number of random topics picked and we're just going to jump in and start to answer how we would answer these questions uh, from from those stories. But first, uh, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. The first news story is from the New York Times, uh, four questions to help demystify your relationship with money. I thought this was very interesting. My wife actually this week sent us both stories. Um, she'll find a story and see it and, um, and, and send it to me via email. And say, hey, maybe this would be good for the podcast. And, and you know what? She's always right uh, <laughs> about a lot of things, but especially these stories. They're all very well, uh, and they're all very well written. That's what I love about the New York Times. Um, whatever your political lean is, it doesn't matter. They do write good stuff. Uh, not a lot of, no misspellings, no nothing, right? Like last week we had the planer headline, right? <laughs> we talked about. <laughs> that but, just happens when you're moving too fast and you fire all your copy editors. <laughs> that I guess that's it. So... <laughs> Um, but this was a very interesting article. It talked about uh, a couple that uh, was working for both Microsoft and Amazon in the early days and had access to stock. So it's it's very interesting. So they kind of 
woke up later in life and were worth tens of millions of dollars, according to the article. So the lady, I believe, wrote a book on this, right, where she talks about we need to talk a memoir about wealth. And I thought it was interesting when I kind of went through it, there were four key questions that they focused on. One is, why is it okay for you to have money when other people don't? Uh, what does living well uh, mean to you, right? And what is the number one job you want money to do? And the last one is, how does money connect you with other people? So I read through this. I thought it was a great read, great, great posing or probing questions. Jody, what was your take on this article? Uh, yeah, I I had... Um... A, kind of a gut reaction to this, which was, uh, wow, uh, how convenient for you, lady, that you and your <laughs> husband fall ass backwards into tens of millions of dollars of stock options, and then you decide to tell people what they should be doing with their money. That's really nice. Uh, it demonstrates the enormous wealth gap that we have in this country. Um, I certainly did not relate to this woman. Uh, I'm not sure that... <laughs> I'm not sure how many other people did. I'm sure there are other people who are reading the New York Times who did, and that's totally fine. Uh, and I'm so I'm not taking away, you know, I'm not trying to say she didn't work hard throughout her career, or her husband didn't, but it's also very convenient that they just woke up one day and they had tens of million dollars in stock options in the bank. Um, that said, um, there were some good themes in here, and I think the one theme that I came away with from this article was. Um, uh, whether you have tens of millions of dollars like this woman does or whether you have the measly amount of money that I have in my bank account, um, you need to be very intentional. And we've talked about this in the past, Paul. You need to be intentional with your money. You need to make your money work for you and do the things you want it to do rather than just kind of gliding along and hoping there's enough money in the bank account on the first of the month to pay the mortgage. Um, so so yes, uh, a good read. Do Do read through it. Get past the the, the little choke that I had in my throat at the first <laughs> half of this article, get down into the questions, and, and I think you'll find some value in it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, it's so funny because it's an interesting topic, and I think uh, before the podcast, we, we, we talked a little bit. We're probably going to do a topic at some point in the future on generational wealth, right? Because, you know, th for that couple, it's creating it from ground zero. And I have to agree with you, I have a fascination. Never a jealousy or never an envy, but a fascination with people that are able to somehow get themselves into those situations, right? Work-wise, stock-wise, I'm always fascinated um, how that all that stuff works, right? Um, and and so maybe that's another topic we'll have to hit, but, but I concur. I like the questions that were in there, and they're worth kind of asking yourselves those questions. Um, the second story is also from the New York Times. Uh, with adult children home, now's the time to talk about money. Once again, I read through this, and it's everything we've talked about in the past, and, and now with COVID prevalent, and, and um, they talk about um, more Americans Americans dying of the pandemic, and, and they talk about people over 65 and, and contributions to 401ks down. There's a lot of things in this article. Um, the one thing that I took away from it was you know it's it's getting that conversation started in both directions one between your parents and one with your kids i think it's both to be honest with you when i read this i didn't like the the the, the whole reverse mortgage thing in here where they said maybe that's an example of tapping your equity that's a whole thing like just i don't think we're ever going to do a podcast on it but i please stay away from the reverse mortgages they're just riddled with fees 
and 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 if you want just let us know via facebook and we'll do a whole episode on why we think it's not a great product but um i didn't like that in the article but everything else was there and and from my personal vantage point i had that conversation with my mother and they're making it sound like it was a very daunting conversation i was very comfortable with my mother talking about this i actually took her and i don't think she'd mind me talking about it when my father passed i took her to get her wills done and her durable, you know, her health proxies or whatever, a whole package that's ready to go in case of, well, in the inevitable, you know. So, um, and and we talked about it and we understood each other and it was great. Um, downstream to my kids right now, they're, they're too young, right? 16 and 10, maybe my 16 year old, I could touch upon the topic, but probably not quite there yet. But if you dial the clock ahead 10 years, I would certainly have this conversation with my kids and I wouldn't have a tough time talking about it. I would just be like any other conversation, kind of open and honest and let them know what your thoughts are. Uh, because you don't want miscommunication when it comes to health care and uh, wills and estate planning and all these things. You just don't want any surprises. Uh, Jody, what was your take on this article? Yeah, Paul, you hit on a, on a lot of uh, the same thoughts that I had. Certainly, this is a more grounded kind of an article than the other one. Uh, and here, you're, you're, they're profiling two people who are in their 60s uh, with grown children who have worked very hard all their lives, done a very good job for all intents and purposes, but, you know, come up against sort of that, um, let's call it the last third of their lives, um, you know, where they're looking to retirement or they're looking to what they do and how they set things up financially. And they're looking in the mirror and doing a gut check and going, wow, we're not sure that we have this thing locked down. Uh, and so they're asking themselves a lot of good questions they, they, throughout the article. They talk about the advice that they've got. Fully agreed with you on the reverse mortgage thing. It's a perfect way to figure out how to give your house back to the bank once you've paid it <laughs> off. So don't do that. Um, everything else, you know, go, go down into it. And it talks about 401k contributions. It talks about planning for things, expensive things in the last third of your life, like health care that, you know, gets extraordinarily expensive, even if you're healthy, um, you know, for people who get into their 80s and their 90s. So, you know, you got to set yourself up for that. Um, a lot of good stuff in here. Check this one out. Yeah. And, and I like the fact that you're on the same page with me with reverse mortgages. And, and I would love at some point for someone to post on Facebook and want to be a guest and we have a vehement, heated article about some financial topic, whatever that is, right? Because I'm sure there's some level of uh, understanding that maybe I don't know about reverse mortgages, but I think it's kind of in the category for me as whole life insurance, reverse mortgages, uh, annuities. Um, in some rare cases, they all sort of have their place. Uh, but for the most part, I, I just don't believe they're a, a good product for most people. And I'll just kind of leave it at that. So I guess with that, we'll go on to our weekly topic, which is the Reddit personal finance random topics. And the first one we're going to start with today, Jody, is uh, advice on what to do with my 401k. I was fired yesterday. Um, so in, in short, and we'll post all these links. Um, it talks about a gentleman that was wrongly terminated yesterday and he's fighting back and he's no longer with the company, and what's my best course of action with my 401k uh, that is through that company? Um, and he talks about an IRA, but he's not sure what to do. Um, I know for me, always, 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 and we've talked about this, roll it over to an IRA account. Um, just take that money. It's very simple to do. You contact the 401k provider, you, uh, and you could even use them if you want to use them for 401k, but I would just 
kind of close your eyes and spin the wheel of of really good IRA providers, right? Vanguard, Charles Schwab, Fidelity. We're not promoting them, but you know the names you know, right? Nice and secure, and just call them up, call the eight hundred number, say, hey, I have a four hundred one k, I want to roll over. They do all the work for you because they want your money into there, right? And they'll help you and they'll give you the tools to do it. Um, Jody, what was your take on this article? On this yeah, I, uh, on this question, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I mean, number one, agree with with what you said. Um, look, um, just reading the two sentence question that he's got here, he he clearly doesn't know what he's doing. So he needs to get on top of that right away. <laughs> um, you know, to say that uh, what is the best course of action with my for- well, well, first of all, I I was wrongfully terminated and I'm fighting back. But in the event I'm lo- indeed no longer with the company. Uh, newsflash, you're no longer with the company. <laughs> Regardless of whether you were wrongfully terminated or not, you are no longer with the company. Now, you, if you were, if you had a 401k and you've got money in the 401k, you're entitled to that money. Call the company's HR department and ask them what you do to roll that over, like you said, Paul, from the 401k with the company um, to your own personal IRA um, and, and get that taken care of and tap the services of a financial professional to help you and make sure that you do it right. And you can even do it over the phone, like you said. You know, just call up, set up an account, you get the account number, you give it to the HR, HR rolls it from 401k to IRA, boom, you got your money and you're done, and then you worry about your wrongful termination or anything else later. Uh, that's sort of addressing the my take on what he's asking here. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I think we've talked about this on a previous episode at one point. Our financial superhero, um, that was his advice to me years ago. I used to roll my 401k to the next company's 401k. And, and finally, um, I was talking to him over coffee and he said, what are you doing, you moron, right? And I'm like, what? And he explained to me, <laughs> And you're laughing because that's exactly how he said it. No, um, but he, no he didn't use those words. I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah, he might have put some more, more expl- pointed than that. He might have put some more expletives in there. But anyway, it was it was funny because it's true, right? We we you know we, we I I was under the delusion that I'll just roll it from 401k to 401k, but um, and I think we've talked about this in previous episodes. There's very limited choices when you are in a 401k. You're limited to maybe. 10 to 20 fund choices, I think 20 would be high. Whereas in an IRA, you can invest in anything you want. So if you want, you know, if you roll the money over, you could buy individual stocks, you could buy CDs, you could buy real estate trusts, you could buy anything you want that's on the open market, as long as it's contained and stays contained within the IRA account. So it's very interesting. Um, You could even start businesses with it, you could buy investment real estate with it, if you do it extremely carefully. but you know, if you're going to go down those roads, make sure you do your research. There's a lot of gotchas when you get to that extreme. But for me, uh, most of it, when I rolled my money from my 401ks into the IRA, I am able to uh, invest in predominantly mutual funds. That's pretty much what is standard, like index funds and stuff like that. So that's how I that's how I approach it. But I know we're getting too deep into the questions, so I'll... I'll jump to the next one, which is, should I wait to buy a car if planning to buy a house in six months? So it talks about somebody who wants to get a new car and their car has 100,000 miles and they're thinking about buying a new home for in, in, in a better school district and, and they're going through all these parameters in here and they're talking about credit scores and, 
and rehauling the credit score, which to me means that um, they're probably not going down a great road here if or haven't been down a great road with this. Um, but they have student loans. They have now they want to pile an auto loan. So once again, it's the context of the question. When I read this particular situation, I would wait and 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 wait and pile up as much cash as you can pay off as much debt as you can and i think the home is more important than the car i think a hundred thousand mile car is 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 doable if um you know you're you know you're 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 taking care of it and and it's not a distressed thing to just go get another car just because i hit the hundred thousand mile mark um i could tell that firsthand my wife's car is just hit a hundred thousand miles uh probably five months ago and we didn't go running like the sky is falling to get rid of the car, right? The car is fine. And so I think this article is riddled with, with, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, 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 it the, all the telltale signs of somebody who's just not really good with their money. Uh, Jody, what was your take on this, uh, story? Yeah, you put a point on it right there, Paul. And and the first sentence says it all. I've been wanting to buy mm. a new car for a while as my car is a 2011 and about to hit 100,000 miles. As you said, Paul, what the heck is wrong with the car? Yeah. There's If the car still runs, you don't need a new car yet, especially if you're looking to buy a house. You know, that's the bigger nut. And, and go, if you're gonna do the house, fine. Put all the focus on the house and go and do that first and then worry about the car later. Um, that's just my gut reaction to all that, regardless of all the details that are that are included in here. Um, do the do the house first. If the house, I mean, the house is a thirty-year purchase, and and presumably you will make it once. Now, you know, people move and all that stuff. Fine, but presumably you buy a house. It's you know a thirty-year mortgage or whatever it is. Go do that first. Get the car later. That's just my thought. I mean, uh, if you told me that the car was you know smoking as you drove it down the road, well, yeah, you need a new car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's all contextual, and and it's funny. I was when I was reading that. And looking through, um, I, I kind of just thought of Dave Ramsey. I, I used to listen to him a lot more than I do now. Um, quite honestly, I listen to our own podcast <laughs> during the week at least <laughs> once and sometimes twice. I'm not trying to plug our podcast, but it's that good. Um, so I do listen to it uh, on a regular basis. And 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 not to uh, get off topic, but I listened to the Paul Becker podcast last week. And with the expensive hobbies, uh, it was the expensive hobbies episode. And man, he had some nuggets that I just never thought of before that he came out with, right? And so it's great to get that different perspective. Um, we've been bringing on uh, more and more guests. So uh, another plug, if, if anyone out there is listening and wants to be a guest, just just email us at financialdads uh, at gmail.com. And we'd love to have you on. Um, so our, our guest spots are building and we'd love to have all our listeners or, or whoever wants to join us. So it's all good stuff. Um, so Jody, any, any thoughts on that? I know I kind of rambled into kind of half plug, half advertisement, half no, plugging the podcast. It's all good. And, 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 uh, agree with what you said there. She's, she's also very concerned here with credit scores. Uh, and just my, my personal on, on credit scores, yes, they can mess you up when you go to uh, make big purchases, when you go to borrow money. Uh, and the, I think the only real reason you should borrow money is to, is to buy a house. Um, but nevertheless, everybody does it their own way. But nevertheless, um, she's very wrapped up here in credit scores. And I think her, to your point, Paul, her focus is a little uh, misguided. 
about the credit score. She seems to want to buy a car and very concerned about her credit score. And then I'd be more worried about you making sure I had enough money in the bank and that, that I could execute, execute the transaction um, and prioritize the things that I want to buy. And like I said, I think the house comes first. Yeah, and I think she refers to rebuilding her credit score. In yeah, that. I did that once. I got screwed. Yeah, and, so that's, that's what... A, it's, that's that's like a reverse mortgage, man. Don't do credit rebuilding. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. help. It doesn't help. And it's an easy I think I blew a thousand bucks. Pay some joker down in Florida to to pull some levers online. It's just forget it. Yep. Don't don't rebuild your credit. Just yeah. do it yourself. Do it yourself by paying your bills online and and and, uh, and I'm sorry, paying your bills on time. You can pay them online if yep. you want. <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> pay your bills on time. Um Get get as much money as you can off your credit card, right? Pay down your credit cards, um, pay your bills on time, and do that consistently for six months. You'll rebuild your own credit. You'll be fine. Very cool. Very cool. Well, the next uh, question that's posted that we're going to look at is 401k loan as down payment to build a house. Yeah, I could. I I didn't get too much further than that, but then I I, I had to read it, you know, to be uh, to just to make sure um, I understand the situation. So. Uh, this gentleman, his wife wants to build uh, the next house. They don't have enough liquid for a down payment, not enough liquid cash. Uh, they have about 90 to 100K in equity in their current home. They're talking about bridge loans. They're talking about renting for a year. They talk about a um, new house being built. They have two babies, a dog, lots of stuff. Um, there's so many things in this, uh, in this situation um, and, and I'm reading through the comments and people are saying, well, what's wrong with the current house, right? And the current house sounds nice, right? So I, I think with me, I, I think I have to uh, concur um, with those comments. But that wasn't the crux of the question. The crux of the question was, should I, you take a 401k loan as a down payment to build a house? And for me, um, never ever, right? That That's my opinion of it. It means you don't have enough money to buy the house, I think, right? And, and we've talked about this in the past of leveraging your 401k strategically in the right situation pre-retirement. And Jody, you've had uh, you had a, a great story on that. It was very focused, it was very intentional. It was discussed, it was researched. Um this person it looks like they're just going to borrow 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 their way to the next house that they clearly can't afford. So, I know I'm I'm getting on the soapbox here, but um I'm I'm reading through it and it's weird. It seems like they can't afford the house they're in now. <laughs> they want to move to a bigger house. Um so I'll I'll calm down. Uh Jody, what was your take? on this uh, question in Reddit. This post is a dumpster fire. Holy <laughs> crap, what is this guy doing? My wife wants to build for our next house. Okay, fine. We don't have a lot of liquid for a down payment. Fine. Uh, we got about 100,000 equity in the current house. Great, congratulations. I'm really against selling and then renting for a year while the house is built. Why? What's wrong with renting? What's the problem? If mm. you're gonna, if you're gonna, presumably move out of the house you're in now and build a new house. What's wrong with renting for a year? It's 12 months, dude. What's wrong? What's wrong with you? And then, and then he go a little further down and he says, a builder just suggested this. You're going to take your financial advice from a home builder who wants to sell you a house. What are you smoking crack? <laughs> That's just, this, this is this, like I said, this is a dumpster fire. If you're going to take your equity, you're going to sell the house you're in, great. You take your payday, you put it in the bank. 
you spend whatever you need to spend out of that to build the new house or start it or get it started or whatever that is. You take that money, you put that into the new house and you rent for a year. What are you going to buy another house in between for and then have that mortgage and then not be able to sell that house when you want to move into your new house? You're absolutely crazy. This this guy's nuts. Man. Yeah, yeah. I would never do this. Well, well you know what's rent, that, rent in between. Yeah. What, what's funny about this article and then at the bottom of the I keep saying article, the bottom of the question or the situation, it talks about, you know, well, you know, losing my job in a year it takes to build like like. So he's worried about his job, too. Right. Which I guess is the only sane thing here is, you know, maybe he does. He is thinking, well, you know, there's a potential. But the funny part about this story is I used to listen to Dave Ramsey all the time. And this type of situation would be on his show all the time. People get themselves into these situations. It's usually the other side. It's usually beyond them asking if it's a smart idea. They've just gone and done it. I did it. I did it. What do you think? Right, 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 <laughs> they're right. Looking right. for validation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and so for me, I, I I I constantly go back to, you know, and we we answer the questions as we would, right? As dads, right? How would we handle this? And and I'm looking at this, and this guy is clearly a dad with two babies and a dog, and it, you know, it's textbook dad 101 here. It's like, dude, wake up. You got to, you know, uh, maybe it's a maybe it's a problem with him and his wife. They got to talk this out. Right. Well, uh, well, his, last, a... his last line says it all. This is all you need to know about this guy. This sounds like a complete scam, but I can't put my finger on it. Your gut is telling you this is wrong. Don't do it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I think, um, yeah, let's jump to the next story. I think we beat the beat that poor guy up too much. So and, and, and buddy, buddy, I, I hope you I hope you figure it out because I, I don't want you to get screwed here. I really don't. I mean, just just rent, just rent what you need to rent, and don't take financial advice from a builder. Yeah, <laughs> and, business and, is selling you his house. And, and there's a little and there's a little Easter egg here. If you look at this gentleman's handle on Reddit. Do you see that above the headline? Yeah, I see it. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we can't say it on the air, um, <laughs> but it, it's just kind of funny. Um, so you, you'll see it in that story. If you click on on that story, you'll you'll see who wrote it. Maybe they'll give you some insight as to um, you know what this is about. But no, in all seriousness, I hope this guy makes the right decision. And and I'm probably assuming too much here, but um, I'm glad he's asking, and hopefully he didn't do it. Like hopefully he's able to not take the 401k loan he's able to stay in the house he's in and and he kind of wakes up to you know hey maybe i got to get a better handle on this stuff because this this situation's heading for disaster as far as i'm concerned so the next story that we're going to jump into or the next question uh my wife and i paid off one of her student loans and her credit score dropped 85 points so you know i guess pretty much the the summary here is they've they've worked hard to to pay off the student loan, but then all of a sudden they're worried about the credit score because it dropped by 85 points, and you know she's they're wondering what the heck is going on here. Um, for me, um, I think they're focused on the wrong thing. Uh, the credit score, for whatever reason, is a snapshot in time. I- I'm sure it'll recover. Enjoy the feeling of paying the debt, dude. Like I just think that it just it's crazy where the focus is. Uh, Jody, what was your take on this story? Hundred percent, man. Um, the only reason your credit score needs to be higher is if you're going for a mortgage. 
right? Because the big banks put put your financials through their computer system, and the computer spits out whether or not they're going to give you how, money and how much. Um, I agree with you, Paul. Revel in the glory that you have got a monthly bill out of your hair. Um, how much money is that back in your pocket every month? Just do the math on that, right? Do the math on that every month, every six, every 12 months. Um, that, it's awesome. Just stop. Don't worry about your credit score. I don't know what to, people are so worried about their credit score. Like they like they wear it in neon across their forehead. You know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's something that I just never thought of. Um, I've never thought of my credit score except for when I've applied for a mortgage. That's yeah. the only time. Yeah, it's kind of like an SAT score. It's like it's really important when you're trying to get into college, and then it doesn't matter for the rest of your life. <laughs> It's like, That's, who cares? Yeah, I think it's your GPA. The GPA is the same. You would be uh, – I, I don't know about your GPA when you graduated college, Paul. I squeaked out of college yeah, <laughs> with yeah, my yeah. GPA. Not a single employer has ever asked me what my GPA was in college. They don't care. Yeah. Yep. The I, only people who care about your credit score is a bank when you're going to apply for a loan. So unless you're going to apply for a loan, don't worry about it because in six months, your 85 points is going to be back. Yep. And I think there is in this article, there's someone by, I think his name is Epic Colonel, talks about how they figure out factors for credit scores, and that's utilization, age of accounts, mix of accounts. It's very interesting, right? So I, I get it. I do want to throw, and, and it's probably fascinating kind of reading that, if it's true. But of course, you know, uh, it's, it's not gospel uh, just because this person posted it. But it sounds reasonable to me. I do uh, the free credit score dot com there's there's the free credit score you're entitled to get your credit score from one of the three major providers every uh year right so i have it in my calendar um to to kind of make sure i get those and i don't do it necessarily to check the score i do it to check the credit health and make sure that no one has stuff out in my name right that yeah. old counts are closed and 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 so it's funny like when i always download uh, the latest report, no matter when it is, they always talk about my PC Richards card that I had uh, when I bought my TV, right? Uh, that, that's how stupid I was. I, I, I had to finance my big screen TV <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and I paid it off quickly. I did it more for the warranty, but uh, it had some very scary terms in it. And I think we talked about this in the past. It was one of those deals where you get 0% uh, down, but if you if, if the payment is missed by like a millisecond by the due date or whatever it was, your interest is charged back to you retroactive at like 27%. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. So I, I from that point on, I, I did it more for the warranty and to take the edge off. Um, and now I, I, I've learned that you could just do that with a regular credit card, right? You don't need to finance it. But I think at the time... I did, you know, I was mistakenly thinking, well, if there's a problem with the TV and I only have a few payments done on it, they'll forgive it, right? No, it doesn't work that way, right? Unless you want to ruin your credit score um, and you wouldn't want to do it intentionally. Um, but uh, getting back to the topic at hand here, um, yeah, I have to concur. Let's let's celebrate the win. Let's not worry about the credit score. Um, the, the next topic that we're looking at is mortgage automatic payments. And the person has a question on automatic payments. I understand it's different per company, but the answer I got didn't answer exactly what I was hoping to get from the loan manager. So they do an auto draft and they're talking about the timing of the auto draft. Um, for me, 
I look at this and I only have one answer and that's what I would do. And I personally like to handle my own payments. I like to press the button as to when the payment goes, especially with a mortgage. And, and I did this over and over again when I was paying off my mortgage, even when it was electronic, because I like to control and monitor when I pay it. And so auto draft, I didn't like that function because the banks can screw that up. I'd rather push the button myself. Um, and people will debate this back and forth. And there's a lot of people that have their bills on auto pay. I'm not against auto pay for your, um, you know, your electric bill or your water bill. I could see those things because they're small parts of your life. But your mortgage is your biggest investment. Your house is your biggest, well, biggest purchase. I won't say investment. That's for another podcast that we could debate. But for me, I don't like to set it and forget it with the mortgage payment, especially when I want to pay more money every month. I like to throttle. If I want to pay an extra 200, I want to be able to throttle more money against the payment. And that's what I used to do when I was paying down my mortgage. Um, Jody, what was your take when it came to mortgage automatic payments and, and what this gentleman is, is asking here? Yeah, a couple of points um, that I wanted to go over here. One, Paul, agree with you. You want to be, and it, say it again, be intentional with your money. And that also means making sure that all your bills are paid on time or a day or two before um, to make sure that you're not running up against any late fees, uh, any overdue bills, anything like that. Two, yes, I agree. You want to push the button yourself. You want to give few, if any, people uh, automatic access to your checking account. That means giving them your routing number. That's that's when they have access to your checking account, when they have your routing number. They can reach into your account and take the money, um, both when it's due and whenever they feel like it. Um, so, so be careful about giving out your routing number to anybody. Um, Three, specifically to this guy's question about worrying about being late the first of the month and blah, blah, blah. And, and this is from my experience with my own mortgage company. Typically, a mortgage company gives you about 15-ish eh, days, maybe 10-ish days grace period for a bill to come in. So, so if it's due on the first of the month and they get it on the third, you're not getting dinged for a late payment. At least you shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure you ask the question, obviously, and, and check the box that you have to check. But – you know, you don't have to be so hyper-focused on, oh, it's going to be three days later. They, they usually give you about 10 to 15 days, 10 business days usually for that mortgage payment to come in. Um, now, that said as well um, – oh, and, and also the other thought that I had was that if, if that's their system – I mean he's, he's asking the question about their system and they draft it on the first of the month. Well, if they draft it on the first of the month, then that should be on time, right? I mean, mm -hmm. again, ask the question, but if, if, if that's their system, he shouldn't be hit, getting hit for late fees. And if for some reason he is, then he should change that and he should – you should walk away from the auto draft and he should just, like you said, Paul, pay it himself. Um, there's nothing that says – there's nothing in this question at least that says he must or he's obligated to, to auto draft here, right? That he can, he can do it himself. So he's more comfortable doing it himself. And going back to what you said about wanting to push the button yourself, Paul, just push the button yourself. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and when I say push the button, I, I'm referring to electronic payment. I think yeah. nowadays- Set it up to pay on the date you want it to pay. You could, yes, you can. Um, for, I, do, I do that with a lot of my bills. Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's all personal preference. I think for me, I did like the control. And, and because, especially in the last couple of years or last few years, when I wanted to pay an extra 200 a month or 400 a month, whatever that was, whatever money we could scrape together to put against that mortgage payment to see it come down, I didn't know what it would be until I had to go pay it. 
so I didn't have it set to auto draft. I do emphasize here that I think electronic payments are key. I think that will cut down the time. I think if you're, I don't know if people still are doing this, but you know, you send a physical check in for your mortgage payment. People still do that. That could extend the time. There's probably more of a chance of missing a payment or, or being overdue if you're mailing it in the mail. Um, maybe, uh, but electronic should be better. But also with electronic payments, you have to monitor those as well. So if you're paying bills, I like to see when it's being drafted. I'd like to get notifications. I'd like to log in and take a look at it. Not to a point of being neurotic, but I do like to know when the money gets to who I'm paying, make sure it's getting through, make sure that you know I check my online accounts, especially the mortgage, especially the mortgage. So um, I think we beat that topic up a little bit too much, but um, no, I think that's I, I okay. I do that. Just one last thing there, Paul. You're absolutely right. You are the steward of your money. Just because you pay someone else a bill does not obligate them to get it right. You have to get it right, right? You have to make sure that they got that money, that it came out of your account, it went into the, the, the their account, the bill that's supposed to get paid, um, because if something gets screwed up, no company is going to take responsibility for it. They're going to point the figure back at you. They're going to say, well, you didn't pay it on time, or you did this, or you did that. So to your point, when you're sending in a payment, whether it's electronic or it's in the physical mail, make sure it gets to where it's supposed to be getting accurately and on time, and that the, the account is credited in the way that it should be credited. Very cool. Very cool. I think with that, we'll go into the summary recap. I think for me today, I mean, we hit upon a lot of different topics. So it was fun to kind of just riff on some of these pieces, right, between the news stories and uh, some of these pieces. And it brought up some memories for me that I'll just kind of call out at a high level. Um, you know, so always roll your 401k to your IRA. I think that's kind of the standard um, for me, um, you know, in terms of standard advice, right? Um, in terms of uh, buying a car, you can't live in your car. I guess you can, but you know, technically, I think uh, rock paper scissors house is higher than car, right? So I'd rather live in my. I'd rather have a nice house and work with the house than having to worry about the car. So I would focus on that. Um, when it came down to uh, down payments for a house, uh, try not to take 401k loans ever but if you have to for certain reasons we've talked about this in the past on podcasts you can but it's very narrowly focused and it has to be really well done and then when it comes to uh, the credit score you want to not intentionally hurt it but i wouldn't get obsessed with it either and when it comes to the automatic payments especially with the mortgage i like to push the button jody what's your uh, summary recap for today yeah i think if there's one theme that i had to hit on uh going back uh, through all, everything that we talked about today is wrapping your arms around your financial business. You know, getting at it, breaking it down, analyzing it, figuring it out, making your money do what you want it to do, and then going and executing that plan. Whether you are someone who's fallen, you know, ass over head into tens of million dollars of stock options, or you're just trying to, you know, get your, your mortgage paid on time. Um, it's up to you, and that's why we do this every week, week in, week out, Paul. It's up to you to do what you need to do with your money to take care of yourself, to take care of your family, um, and and to succeed. And look, we don't have to have millions of millions of dollars in the bank to be happy, right? Um, you know, the stuff is relative. 
What's important is your level of happiness and what makes you happy. And while money doesn't buy happiness, um, it sure helps to smooth out the edges, right? <laughs> and, so, and so you need to and so you need to wrap your arms around your money and make it do what you want it to do to find that happiness. Very cool. Very cool. Very good recap. Uh, well, Jody, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you 